Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. All righty, good morning everybody and uh, welcome to Tuesday Teaching. Uh, whether it's Tuesday morning you're watching or catching up on this, thanks so much for doing that. Um, can you believe it's only just over a month to Christmas and we're all guessing this is going to be a Christmas that's unlike any other and I'm hoping for the message trust it's going to be a Christmas unlike any other because we're going to do more good works than ever in our 30 year history. We uh, this week are launching our Christmas campaign and if you're a message supporter you'll get a letter through the post or an email just encouraging you to stand with us and we want to do a bunch of things. Uh, We want to feed and get presents to 5,000 of the very poorest families, people who are slipping through the net, people who are facing a disastrous Christmas. And we want to show them the love of Jesus in the best way possible through, yes, gifts, yes, blessing, but also sharing good news of hope at Christmas. So uh, you'll hear about that. You'll also hear about our vision to roll out 12 more community groceries, the length and breadth of the country. We want to see community groceries in many more communities and we're stepping it up in the next 12 months and we're also looking to do love where you live consistently in many of the UK's most deprived neighbourhoods so watch out for the mailing or the email there'll be lots of videos lots of chat about that and if our supporters that's you you beautiful people uh, stand with us we can do some amazing things together in Jesus name this Christmas um when I was 18 I'd only really committed my life to Christ about a year or so before. I was invited for the first time ever to communicate the gospel with thousands of people. I don't even know why they chose me. I was just some rascallion in a youth group in South Manchester. But there was a massive gig at Coventry Cathedral. And, you know, the new Coventry Cathedral, the modern Coventry Cathedral, stands next to the destroyed by the Nazis in the Second World War, old cathedral. And this incredible building, there are two huge pulpits at the front of the church. And I was asked to stand in one pulpit. And then the other pulpit was this guy. He's called George Hoffman. He's the, he was the founder of Tear Fund, a precious man who's now in heaven. And I was absolutely terrified. But this lovely man put me at ease poured the love of Jesus out on thousands of young people and interviewed me and I I did my thing and it was the first time I'd ever publicly spoken to that many people about my faith. George Hoffman is an amazing guy in that he was a, a member of the Evangelical Alliance, not just a member, he worked for the Evangelical Alliance. You know the truth guys, the guys whose job it is to keep the church on message You know, we're people of the word, we're people who've got a mission, we're evangelicals, and that was George Hoffman. And yet, in the 60s, 1967, uh, there was a terrible refugee crisis around the world, 40 million refugees in all all, all corners of the globe. And the evangelical Christians didn't really know what to do with, with, with the terrible things they were hearing about and seeing on the television screens. So they started to send checks to the Evangelical Alliance. And God did a work in his people, got them to send these checks in. This is a a check for this disaster in Mozambique or wherever it is. This is a check for this, like George Hoffman's like, what do I do with this money? We're not really the the relief agency, we're the evangelicals. And so he set up a little uh, box on his desk and he put on it, the Evangelical Relief Fund. 
just a, a heart for the poor and the broken, a heart to respond to the desperate need in the world. And God in heaven, I believe, went, hmm, I like that. I like the fact that the evangelicals are caring for the poor. I like the fact that the people who love my word and believe in mission also care about the poor and the vulnerable. And so the Evangelical Alliance Relief Fund became Tear Fund a couple of years later. And they founded a charity that's gone on to become one of the largest charities in the UK, way dwarfing the Evangelical Alliance. God just breathed on Tear Fund. I remember an old boy in my church saying, I can't give money to Tear Fund because that's not gospel. Oh, come on, mate. What do you think Tear Fund is? Tear Fund is gospel. Word and deed, good news to the poor. When truth and grace come together, God loves it. And John knew that. The apostle who Jesus loved, one of his special inner three. He was so close to Jesus that his moment of great need at the Last Supper, it was John who had his head resting on Jesus' chest. That's how close John and Jesus are. The other two of the close inner circle, as he writes his second letter to the churches, are dead. Peter's been crucified upside down. James has been beheaded. In fact, John is the last living disciple. And imagine the weight of that responsibility. It's the, towards the end of the first century. And just a few years ago, he'd had this incredible three and a half years with Jesus. He'd been sent out in the power of, power of the Holy Spirit by the, the risen Jesus. And he's feeling the weight of passing on faithfully what Jesus had taught him so well. And so he writes these letters. I spent the last few weeks, few months journeying through his first letter to the churches, 1 John, and here's his second. It's the shortest letter in the New Testament, just 13 years, just 13 verses. And he picks up this uh, second letter pretty much where he left off his first letter. Remember the gospel's spreading all over the world. It's, it's out of the box. It's out of Jerusalem. It's spreading like crazy. Uh, house churches are springing up all over the place, led by all sorts of strange and ill-equipped people. But God's doing his thing. He's pouring out his spirit. And in that context, John wants to write a letter to share with the church. These are the values. These are the pillars we need to build these new churches upon. And there are two great pillars that he spoke about more than any other in his first letters. And he picks up the theme here in 2 John, the pillars of truth and love. Uh, he saw people, even in the early days, you know, few years into the life of the Christian church, veering from the truth. And as is always the case, people tend to veer from the truth in two ways. Firstly, some of them were way too progressive. They were trying to bring the message up to date. You know, the Christian message. Let's make it relevant to society, especially Greek society. And let's fit it in with the culture of the day. Let's find new ways of doing things and new ways of teaching things that aren't the things that have been passed down through the last couple of generations in this baby church. Let me tell you this. The gospel is relevant. The Bible is relevant. It's never been more relevant. It's the most relevant book that's ever been written. Yes, of course, we have to communicate it in language people can understand. We have to communicate it relevantly, but we have absolutely no right to bring the gospel up to date. 
It is very, very up-to-date, very relevant. So some people are progressive. They're trying to be spirit-of-the-age people. Let's bring the gospel up-to-date. Others are regressive. They're going back, going back to the rules and regulations and rituals of the Old Testament and starting to wheedle its way into this new dynamic church. Suddenly this freedom in Christ has become burdensome again. The old rules, boys. And you know what? Even today, 2,000 years later, you can still sniff it in the church of Jesus. You can tell a church that's too much license. You know, they're goosey-loosey with the truth, the spirit of the age, the liberal in, in the theology. It's all a bit wishy-washy and lacking in power. You can tell the people who are too progressive. You can also tell the people who are, who are too regressive. There's too much legalism. Watch out. That's not Jesus. If there's boring, burdensome rules and if it makes you feel all a bit heavy and like a, a big weight trying to earn your way back to God, you've been in that kind of church, haven't you? It's alive and well. Well, John had spent years with a man defined as being full. In his gospel, he said, I've met a man who's full, a full man, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. He was full of undeserved love. He just poured out undeserved love on all kinds of people who are the most broken, hurting people who'd done nothing to earn that kind of love. But he was also full of truth. He would never water down heavenly truth. John had seen a man, live with a man, and he was determined to pass that on to a church because Jesus, remember, wasn't just a truth teller. That's all other religious leaders, isn't it? All other religious leaders, any other way. I'm here to tell you the truth about God. He was the truth. He said it, didn't he? John quoted him. I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm the truth. Jesus was truth, fully embodied. He, he, was, he wasn't just love. He, was, he wasn't just loving. He was love, wasn't he? He wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to show you about love. I'm going to teach you about love. I am love. Anybody see um, Lewis Hamilton over the weekend? The boy did well, didn't he? He won the, his seventh world title and he's probably going to go on to be the, the greatest Formula One driver in history. Did you see what he had tattooed on his neck? I've never spotted that before. Can you see it there? He's got God is love tattooed on his neck. I've got no idea where Lewis stands before the Lord. But I tell you what, he's quoting scripture. They're words of not Lewis Hamilton, they're words of John the Apostle inspired by the Holy Spirit. In his last letter, what did he say? God is love. Not lovely, not loving. Jesus is love. Jesus is truth. And if we want to know, we want to understand truth, we want to understand love, we ain't going to understand it unless we come to Jesus. Aren't you glad you've come to Jesus? You can truly understand truth and love in all its fullness when you come to Jesus. So let's read four verses from 2 John, the first four verses. The elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and be, will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. This little letter of John would have fit on one piece of parchment and you can imagine the, 
the word coming round the churches from the great apostle, the last living apostle, this man well on in, in, in years. Soon he's going to go to heaven and he writes these words passionate from the heart. You can imagine it being unrolled, can't you? And 2,000 years ago, the churches were blessed to receive these words and we are today that it's been faithfully handed down the generations. Starts off by saying it's from the elder and people who know these things pretty much all agree that it's John. It's the same style, it's the same theme, it's the same language. It's, uh, but John never mentions himself, just as in one John. He never mentions himself, his name, because he knows it's not about making a name for himself. It's not about, oh, I've written a great letter that's going to make its way into the Scriptures. No, it's all about Jesus. Uh, his job is to make a name for Jesus. And he writes to the lady, chosen by God, and some debate, is this a woman in leadership in the church? Because there was plenty of those in the early church. But most people agree, it's the church. It's a, a lovely description of the, the church, that he, the churches that he was writing to. To the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also who know the truth. What a great description. Wouldn't it be brilliant if that could be said of us at the message, or the church you're involved in? that we're people who love in the truth. All our acts of love are wrapped around with his great sacrificial love and the message of the gospel. We're inspired by it. We're empowered by it. We're sticking firm to it. And so from his two pillars, he goes on to this beautiful greeting to this early church. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ. The, the Christian priceless qualities that make life worth living. The, the salvation words, the three words of salvation are all wrapped up in that little, little re reading, aren't they? That little greeting. God's unmerited favour, God's grace towards us by his mercy, producing peace in our hearts and peace with our fellow man and peace with God. Boom. <laughs> That's what we know, isn't it? That's what we know in Christ. We know grace and mercy and peace. And let's celebrate it. Let's delight in it. And there is a channel through which all this grace and mercy and peace flows. What's his name? Say his name. Jesus. Say his name. There's four of us in this massive warehouse. Say his name. Jesus. Say his name at home. Jesus. It's like honey on our lips, isn't it? Jesus. To some people, it's a swear word. It's a curse word. To us, it's the most beautiful name in the world. It's the channel through which all of God's blessings flow. That's why we're obsessed with him. Any success at the message, he's the secret of our success. Without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we are nothing. And my job as whatever founder, CEO of the message is to keep Jesus central in all we do, and if we do, we'll be okay. When ministries or churches veer away from him being front and centre, they lose their authority, they lose their anointing, they can carry stumbling on through the centuries, but for us, it's all about Jesus. He's the source, he's the channel. And I want to show you, in light of that, this video that I love so much. You may well have seen it before, I'm not bothered. 
It'll bless you this morning. I know it will. It's three minutes long. And it's, it's a video of a guy called S.M. Lockridge, an ancient Pentecostal preacher and, uh, from Calvary Baptist Church in the States. And it's called That's My King. I decided to, to call this talk, That's My King, because I was thinking about this video. I could have called it Christianity is Christ. That would have been a good name because he's the king, he's the center. But I found out as I was just looking into this yesterday, that S.M. Lockridge, I've heard about this famous Baptist preacher, it was actually called Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. What a great name. What a brilliant name. Shadrach Meshach. I wonder what happened to Abednego, Paul, lad, but... S.M. Lockridge, and we don't know, some people have said he just set off on this, he was asked to preach at some Pentecostal gathering and this is what came out of his mouth. Other people have said it was the end of an hour-long sermon just celebrating how beautiful Jesus is, but listen to this and tell me you don't want to give him a round of applause, you don't want to lift your hands in praise, you don't want to say thank you Jesus that you're the channel of grace and mercy and peace that's flowed into my life. You don't want to lay your life down in surrender when you see this beautiful video and hear these wonderful words. Here we go. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I could describe him, so yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. 
That's not just Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge's king. That's my king. That's our king. Do you know him? Oh, Jesus, you're wonderful. I feel like I want to kneel before him right now and just worship him. He's wonderful. Jesus is amazing. Let him be front and centre in everything we do. Let us never move him away from any place. But this thing is all about you. This life is all about you. It's your truth and your love poured out on a needy world. See, Christianity is basically Jesus walked out. Jesus' grace and Jesus' love walked out. I like that John finished up these verses by saying, it's given me great joy to find that some of your children are walking in the truth. It's always the way, and every Christian's not fully on it, but what a joy for a leader to see people walking in the truth and walking out love, as he says in the next verse. Love and truth are basically doing words, they're verbs. And maybe we've, we can learn from this season, this pandemic season, where we can't line up in our pews and sit in our churches. We're not meant to be sitting in truth and sitting in love. We're meant to be people who walk in truth and walk in love. It's a movement meant to happen. And maybe a movement is, being, is happening right now on the earth where we're being moved to where we need to be to go and make disciples, to go and bless the poor, to go and preach the gospel to people who are dying without it, to go in Jesus' name, to walk in the truth and walk in the love. And when we're allowed to gather again, yes, we'll gather, but the clock will always be ticking. It won't be about sitting in the truth and sitting in love. It will be going, walking, moving. Do you get me? It's time for a new day for the church. On Friday, I had the privilege of speaking there. Ash Barker, my friend, had invited me to speak at this. You know, can you believe me? If he'd known my qualifications, he wouldn't have asked me. Where I, was. I was asked to speak on this MA course in uh, social entrepreneurship. And uh, Ash Barker, and there they were, some great people on this Zoom call. And uh, I was excited that some people from the message were there. Studying is good to study. Especially to study how you, in Jesus' name, you become a social entrepreneur, you multiply good works out in a world of need. And But whatever, you know, what I would say to you, if you're studying theology, if you're doing an MA, MA or, or whatever, a doctorate in theology, make sure you don't get stuck in the classroom. Make sure you don't sit there with lots of knowledge. Work it out, walk it out. I first met Ash Barker in Bangkok. I was flying back from from uh, with Michelle my wife from Sydney and I've been doing some ministry in Australia and we stopped off because it's a long way from Australia we stayed at a hotel but we also heard about this amazing couple who were living in the slums of Bangkok on a filthy swamp just blessing the poor and serving and setting up businesses and working with ladyboys and all that just amazing ministry in Bangkok and I went to visit on the first day I went to visit them in their in their slum then went back to my hotel for a meal with Michelle 
And uh, that night, Michelle had a hideous fall. We don't even know what happened. It was weird. But she fell and smashed virtually every bone in her face. She had bleeding on the brain and it, it looked like she was dying. And for several days, she didn't know who I was. She was just out of her mind. And then she had a whole bunch of operations on her, on her face. And, and it was terrible time. It was like, for me, I mean, people have been through far worse, but for me, it felt like dark night of the soul stuff. And on the first evening in the set in the intensive care, Ash Barker turns up. Oh, mate, I'm so sorry. Pray for you. And then his wife turns up. And then, and then all these Christians started coming through the, the uh, hospital just loving on me. And, and Ash was there with me every day for most of the day, for probably 10 days until we flew Michelle back on a flatbed to the UK. And, and he was just loving on me and taking me out for meals as Angie babysat. Uh, Michelle and it was only when I got home that I thought what just happened there that's a busy guy with a significant ministry and loads of people looking to him but he just wiped out his diary for this stranger who was really struggling wow what great love you know what an amazing man what an amazing way to behave I want to be like that I want to be somebody who's on tiptoes what would have happened I know I thought if Ash Barker had had an accident in Manchester and he'd just come and you know popped in one of the many people who visit the message yes I probably would have gone to see him at Stepney Hospital and I would have got the message praying for him but I wouldn't have poured my life into him in great love well I want to be that kind of person radical measures of love pouring out of me on the zoom call was another guy who was zooming in from Dubai. I think he was called Solomon. And he asked me a question at the end of my little talk. And he said, oh, oh I'm glad to see you because I was praying for your wife eight and a half years ago in Dubai. I'm like, I don't even know you. <laughs> and you were praying, yeah, we were having prayer meetings and we heard about the accident she'd had. And I was like, Wow, what a thing the body of Christ is when it swings in love to people in need. What an amazing thing. And I actually had this thought went through my mind and I said to this bloke, Solomon, I said, you and Ash are part of my hundredfold blessing in being a Christian. In this life, you can't outgive God. You pour out truth and love on a world in need and guess what? It just bounces right back at you. It, it, it comes right back at you. And so, you know... You, I tried to preach the gospel over the last couple of decades and, and at my moment of need, the body of Christ just swung into action. All these strangers, all these people, incredible blessing. Well, I don't want to just be a receiver of that kind of blessing. I want to give that kind of blessing. I want to be a man who does not compromise the truth for one moment, but lives it out with great acts of love. And let's just pray that that can be us. God, let us be these kind of people who love your word, radically love your word, who communicate in language that people can understand, but also live it out with great acts of love. And I pray, well, because we're followers of Jesus, what more could you have done? Look what you did for us, Lord. We've just heard about how marvellous you are. Help us to live a life more like you by the power of your spirit. And I pray today... You just give us opportunity to love on people in need. That we can be marked by love. Help us, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. 
We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a brand new episode there right now.